Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Yeah, that lifeline thing is a little special thing in my heart, and I just want to encourage you to grab a bottle on the way out. Um, if you didn't know where they were, they're at the Connect table, and just grab one and fill it up. It's super easy, and then return it, and we will give it to Lifeline Pregnancy Care Center. Um, they're off of 12th, and they really do change lives. I don't know if you know everything that goes on there. Go check it out. All right, mamas, happy Mother's Day. I am your speaker today. I'm very excited. I feel very privileged to have this honor to speak to some wonderful women in our church. I know, men, you're welcome to stay around. It's going to be for you too, I promise. Today, my hope is that there is a life-giving message. I feel something very strong from the Lord, and I just hope it's for you today. You guys ready? Receiving? Okay. I want you to lean over to your mom next to you. Look at them in their eyes. And tell them they look fantastic. Say, you look so good. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and moms, I hope you got everything that you ever wanted today. We're going to get, right? Wink, wink, everybody involved in that mom's life. You're already getting it. It's already in its works. You've already reserved the place, right? Yeah, okay. Good. I hope that the traffic was cleared for you and that your kids actually didn't argue with you to get dressed this morning. And I hope that your son is saved or your daughter is saved today. Because I want to just give you a pro tip, all of you kids who are with your mothers today. That is the end goal for your mother is to get you saved. That would be the best Mother's Day gift in the whole wide world if all her children were saved. So come to Jesus already. What are you waiting for? Right? Amen. He's really good. There's nothing to be afraid of. We can give you so much information about whatever you need. Okay? All right. So Mother's Day. Yay. It can be something that I love how Derek put it. Maybe it triggers an emotion a little bit. Maybe you are in bliss city. You're full of bliss. That'll change. No, just kidding. Stay there. Stay there. Stay in bliss. Um, You know, God created Adam because he wanted to. It was like a golf partner or something. I don't know. He was like, I'm going to create this man because I'm going to talk to somebody. Right? He created Eve because he needed to. Because she brings forth life. Women, you are a descendant from Eve. You bring forth life. What in this world? We are incredible. 
We're designed incredibly. By the way, I'm used to growing up with a church that responds, so go ahead and respond. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we, we are a little bit crazy though. Yes, we bring forth life, but there's a side. A little bit crazy. A little bit, okay? It is no wonder <laughs> that mental health awareness and Mother's Day are in the month of May. <laughs> right? I just want to touch on one thing though. If you're here in this place and maybe you feel like, you know, I'm done. I didn't sign up for this. This is not where I needed to be. This wasn't the story that I had planned out. I said, just stay for this service, and I promise you'll get something out of it. If your heart posture is in a receiving mode, that's not no hippy-dippy stuff. I'm not talking guru stuff. I'm literally saying, open your heart, be in a receiving mode, let your mind hear the words that are going to be said today, okay? And then after that, you make a choice. Yeah? This little mom thing that I just did, you see that? Where you smile and say, right? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to pray real quick over the moms. Lord, you see each and every one of us, and that's the beautiful thing of uh, you. You are our creator. You know our names. You know what we think. You know what we're going to do tomorrow. You know exactly how we're going to feel about you. And we just pray that we are open and we, we are postured to whatever you want to download today. We thank you, Father, for already being here, for already having your spirit dwelling in us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, so we've been in this sermon series, right? It's called Address the Mess. And today's title is going to be Hot Mess. You guys, Right? I know for me, I can self-identify with hot mess. I am a hot mess. And now I just gave you privilege to say you are too. It's totally fine. We can admit this. Um, I have a family. And I'm a mom. And my kids, there's a picture of my family from last Mother's Day. And it's going to pop up in just a second. There we go. Here is me and my kids from last Mother's Day. They are so much bigger than this. It's one year, one year ago, and Hollister's taller than me, Sterling's right here, and Hudson is way taller than that too. It's really weird. So Hollister is our oldest. He's the one in the black shirt next to me with the hat, and he's 14. Yeah, hey, we're all alive. I know we have 15, 16, and 17 to go, but we are here. We made it. He's about to be 15 in October, and um, we are not prepared for any of it. And that's fine. He's our first. It's okay. <laughs> um, often I tell him, I have never raised a 14-year-old. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know if it's fear in his eyes or if it's, like, sighing, like, okay, I knew she didn't know what she was doing, right? But, um, and then he is, he loves money and probably a little too much, but... He already has a job. He knows what he's going to be when he gets older. We've been talking about that since they were so little. Sterling used to say, I want to be, that's our daughter, our one and only daughter, Sterling Gracie Aiden. She used to say, I want to be a cotton candy hander outer at the zoo. And we're like, yes, you will, <laughs> right? 
but she's so creative. You'll find her in a book. She won't hear a word you're saying, but you, you just repeat it enough and she'll hear it finally. But I think she's going to be an author and she's going to have great, a great pathway in creative stuff like that. And then we have Hudson. Hudson's our baby. He's the one who accidentally showed up and we were not prepared for him. But however, <laughs> he probably gets away with murder. Not yet. Thank God. He gets away with quite a bit. And it's not because we're lazy. It's just simply because we're tired. We are kind of outnumbered, right? He's kind. He's loving. He's going to go so far. He always has said he's going to be a preacher with big belt buckle. So we'll see. I don't know. He wants to live in Texas, which he's not going to do that, you guys. He's going to live right in my backyard. So, um, I love my kids. I love them. Right now we're in a season with the two older ones. And... I'm glad that I can admit that it's a season. That means it will be over soon, um, hopefully. They're in a season. So here's the deal. We decided to separate the age difference three years. That sounds wonderful when you're young and planning out your life. It's not wonderful. Don't do it like that. Don't do the two-year thing, the three-year thing. Just separate them, like, along. Like, just keep going. And then really think, should I have another after that? So they're in this season where they're both going through some maturity levels. And mm, mm, they're teaching one another. They're testing one another. They're tattling on one another. When you mix this all up, it becomes a fight, right? And when I'm saying fight, I'm saying fight. It's like a real, real fight. And somebody in our household is very physical. And she likes to hit. And so sometimes it's, no, he did first. He did a, you can't tell what the real story is. You never can tell. They've all got their agendas, right? They're like, no, I will win. And thank God we did raise very independent and very strong-willed children. It's biting us in the butt right now. But it'll be fine. They'll be great adults. I know they will be. But right in the middle of all of this, we have tried everything. We have tried grounding. That doesn't pan out. I'm such a sucker for big, you know, puppy eyes. Um, we have tried threatening, threatening. You know, when you're in the grocery store and they literally don't listen, you're like, I'm going to get out to the car, right? And then we have tried positive reinforcement. That may help when they're like this tiny. It doesn't help when they're as tall as you. You're like, there's a dinosaur flying. Nope, it's not helping. Okay, there's, we have cookies. Nope. I have tried bribing, and we would be, we'd always give advice. Just try bribing. Just do bribing. That only works for so long. <laughs> but what I know is true to work for our household is that we go back to a promise once I've got them calmed down. And all of us are using lower voices. I say, let's talk about our promise that we made. We will love unconditionally. We will be kind to one another. We are friends for life. Remember that? Wink, wink. And if you're friends for life with your sibling, good job. Your mom did a good job. It is the hardest thing to keep them at peace. And then we say... We don't hurt each other. 
There's no physical hurt here in this house. So we're kind, we love unconditionally, and we're lifelong friends. That's our promise for each other. And do you think they want to fight after that? And if they do, we hold hands for about 15 minutes and look at each other in the eyes and we say, I love you, I love you, I love you, until I believe it. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go clean the clothes. I can still hear you from here. Keep going. I come back up, and if they don't look soft in the eyes, keep going. Oh, what, 15 minutes? Hmm. Sounds like you need longer. And they have, they have we've done the shirt thing too. <laughs> that one's fun. <laughs> Throw some chores at them. Okay. So to get them to stop and really refocus, we talk about that promise. Loving unconditionally. What are some things that make you feel a little messy? Is it people or family members? Maybe you're fighting with your family members, your sibling. Did you ever duke it out? And then now that's kind of carried on. There was no apologies made. Maybe your finances make you feel messy. I've been there. Maybe it's just passwords alone. Like passwords on computers. Passwords for the bank. Passwords for your phone. Passwords for your kids. Passwords. You guys. Passwords. They get me every time. And then you got to change them because someone told you to change it because it's now hacked. That's so annoying. Quit hacking stuff, whoever you are. <laughs> dishes. Do dishes make you messy? Do they make you a hot mess? I know they do to me. That was the only chore my parents ever gave me, and now it still continues. <laughs> traffic. What about traffic? Anybody feel like a hot mess in traffic? Yeah, I knew I'd get something. <laughs> I get some sort of hint. You know what? I just want to say welcome to Idaho. I also learned how to drive a car in California, so I can spot you. Like, I get you, but these road systems were not made for your driving skills. So, my advice to you is learn a little something. It's called slow it down. I had to learn that in Alaska. Everybody drives, like, a mile per minute. And I was speeding, like, what? I had to learn. You don't speed up to stop signs. And you don't cut people off. And you don't have to be the fastest on the highway, although I still do that. Maybe what makes you feel like a mess today is shame. Shame kind of sometimes looks like guilt. You know why? Because they're twin sisters, really. And what that does is it, it, it like carries it along. You're guilty of this, or you feel guilty of this. You feel guilty of this. Now, if you are guilty in here, like lawfully guilty, go talk to a policeman. I don't, like, that's not the guilt we're talking about. We're talking about the shame. Like, maybe there's shame in how you speak to your loved ones. Maybe there's shame connected to what you did in your past, and you just still can't get over that. You still are mulling it over. You're still there. Maybe your mess is with abuse, and there's abuse in your past, and you have not got over it. You have not been able to get rid of that. Maybe there's abuse in your present, and you're unable to identify why it's happening to you again or what this looks like, and there's many different abuses. 
Maybe there's just mom guilt. And I don't want to just say mom guilt because I do know that there's a real thing called dad guilt. And what this parent guilt actually looks like is maybe when you went to go plan your your life and how you were going to parent and or maybe you didn't plan and maybe it just happened to you, right? But maybe you thought, I'm not going to look like this. I'm not going to act like this. I'm not going to say the things that my parents said. I'm not going to drink that much alcohol like my parents said. I'm not going to do this thing. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to. I will be so much better. And maybe you heard yourself the other day and you sound a lot like your dad. That's, that's the parent guilt right there. Where you just can't, you just can't get over it. You don't know how to move on from that. And you just keep that guilt in there, and it, does, it is shameful. You're not going to share that. That's unmet expectations. You had some sort of expectation, and you couldn't meet your own expectation. Well, science and the Bible agree with each other for once. Huh, they do a couple of times, right? I believe science gets a little out of whack when they're trying to figure out what the Bible is talking about in Revelation. That's all. (laughs) Um, Most battles are won and lost in your mind. So psychologically, how you think of things, intellectually, it's won and lost in your mind. Have you ever, ever been driving down the road, or maybe you went to your room and you had this conversation, this ghost conversation with somebody and you were saying all the right things you finally had to come back your mom just kidding don't say that that was for you guys maybe maybe you finally have the right words and you could stick up for yourself finally is anybody in here confrontational yeah I know I know Bronson is we share that in common none of you are you know how, why it's so hard to confront? It's because you have to figure out where you're coming from. If you're coming from a place of your expectations that you think need to be met, okay, that's a whole other preaching topic. Nope. Maybe you're having this conversation in your head and you finally think the next time that he pulls me into the office and tells me a thing or two, here's what I'm going to say, dot, dot, dot. The next time my husband brings up the dishes one more time, here's how I'm going to respond. The next time that school teacher tells me my child is not good enough, I have something to say. Right? You're thinking about it. You have won and lost a battle right there. All in your mind. Every once in a while, I'll look over and Roger's having a conversation. And his, <laughs> as he's driving, and I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> And sometimes it's family members. <laughs> sometimes it's just you guys. No, just kidding. <laughs> Thinking drives living. Thinking guides behavior. This is all in your mind. Thinking longs to be set free. Proverbs 23:6. Don't eat with people who are stingy. Have you ever eaten with a child? Don't desire their delicacies. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat or drink, they say, but they don't mean it. You are always thinking and obsessing 
And it's probably connected to one of those things that maybe you're building some sort of foundation or maybe we could talk about it as roots. Maybe that was the root. Shame was your root and you just are growing this huge plant out of shame. Maybe you're biting your nails every day, just driving like uh, thinking and obsessing. You've lost some sleep over it, over this negative thought. I'm going to give you a little bit of a cow biology. Are you guys ready? We're in Idaho. You guys know what cows are, right? There's like a cow every fifth yard out there. So we've seen a cow or two. So if you are a farmer or a rancher in here, bear with me, okay? <laughs> the cow has four stomachs. Who did not know that? Okay. I, thank you. This requires a special digestive system. The unchewed food travels to the first two stomachs where it is stored until later. Wow. I've, I've done that. <laughs> Just kidding. When she is full from the eating process, she rests. Later, the cow coughs up bits of unchewed food called cud and chews it completely this time before swallowing it again. The cud then goes to the third and fourth stomachs where it is fully digested. Some of this digested food enters the bloodstream and travels to a bag called the udder where her calf will be nourished while the rest goes towards the cow's nourishment. You guys thought that I was done. No, just kidding. There's no more. So just imagine really quick. They're eating. They regurgitate. That means throw up in your mouth. Okay, let's just plain Jane here. And then they eat it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that stuff. They keep, it's like a process, right? You see them all the time, like grazing, whatever they're doing, plucking. I don't know. They're eating, right? It goes through the biggest process to get there. And what does it do? It goes through the udder, right to that calf. And it goes into the bloodstream. So the cows, they eat, they chew, they swallow, they regurgitate, which means throw up in your mouth, and then they repeat. What about obsessing? Don't they sound similar? Obsessing about this thought or how to change something, or how to be in control of something. And you regurgitate it all the time. You may rest with that headspace. You may rest in that. But then you pass it down through your bloodline. All of that negativity, all that obsessing. Your children get nastier, you get nastier. No one wants to be around that, right? Maybe you're, you're realizing, I actually have been lonely lately. I didn't know nobody wanted to be around me. I'm here to wake you up. It gets in your bloodstream, and then your bloodstream gets nastier. And what happens when blood gets nastier? You start being toxic. And you're toxic to people around you. I want to show you three ideas to make less of your mess, okay? I'm not a doctor. I'm not even a therapist. I know I must sound like it. No, I would never deal with all of your issues. <laughs> Truthfully. Too much repeating. <laughs> I'm just a mom 
that happens to be in ministry for all of her adult life. And I'm definitely not a, a cow specialist. But I do know number one should be cast your cares on him. Right? Cast your cares on him is much harder than it sounds. It actually requires action. And that action could be physical. It could be not physical. Maybe you look in the Bible, Hannah was casting her cares. And she, the priest thought she was drunk. Literally asked her, stopped her and was like, are you drunk? No. I'm just trying to give everything to the Lord. I'm yearning for something. I desire a child. I'm being made fun of because back in those days, women were only created to make children. Just kidding. They, a lot more, but it just kind of sounded like that. And it was an identity thing. And the Lord heard her in that moment when she cast her cares on him. In some translations, this would say, give. Like in Psalm 55, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. What power that is. That he's not going to allow you to slip and fall. 1 Peter 5 and 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Did he say give a little bit of worries to me? Give the side worry that doesn't really make sense. Give that one. Give the tiniest one. No, he actually said all. And all is all of those worries. Are you worried that your child's not saved? Are you worried that you're not going to have income? Are you worried that you're not going to have you fill in the blank? Watch out for the enemy. It says actually stay alert. And it's an exclamation mark. Stay alert. Right? Watch out for your great enemy. The devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever seen a lion prowling? It is very scary. In the zoo. That's where I've seen it. I didn't go anywhere to see it in life. It was at the zoo, by the way. <laughs> So this word cast and give is not, you don't, there's no take backs. I know this is really hard. I'm about to say something to some very controlling women in this room. I being one of them. Let it go. No, I'm not going to sing that. I was telling my conscience, sorry. Let it go. The original translation says, hurl your cares and your worries at God. Do you know what hurling is? It's not throwing up. It's literally like, act like it's a boulder and you're throwing it, right? With all of your gusto, with all of your might. Like Hannah, she looked drunk, right? To the priest that she always went to. And he's concerned, and she's like, no, I, I need him to take care of this. I no longer am able to take care of this. I am stepping back. Here you go. So when I say cast or cast your cares, so my grandma, she had a yard sale one time, and us grand girls, there's three of us, 
we all picked out something from the yard sale, and she very clearly said, you can have whatever you want. And then, like, two years later, I remember she, was, she came into my room because I loved decorating even as a little girl, and I had redecorated it, right, in sunflowers. Uh, if you have sunflowers, great, that's beautiful. Um, but I remember decorating it in sunflowers, and she came in, and she saw the mirror that I took from her yard sale that she said I could have. And she was like, oh, thank you, Kimmy, for babysitting this for me, and takes it off the wall and walks out. And I was like, what? what? Uh, that's not nice, right? And I talked to my mom. My mom's like, you're going to have to get used to this. Don't ever take anything from grandma because she will take it back. This is all of my life, right? I would not like to grow up like that. <laughs> that's not nice, moms. Don't do that. So that's not the type of give or cast or hurl that I'm talking about. You don't get to take it back. That is now his issue. Yeah, that one went over really well to all of us controlling women, huh? So the only fisherman that I knew of when I was young was my dad. And he would fish in any body of water. Like there's a little pond, he would fish in that, right? And then he fished in the ocean. Now that was me and my brother's very favorite place to go because we would just look all over the beach for all sorts of goodies. We found whole sand dollars. We found starfish and the sand was warm and the ocean breeze was amazing and the ocean just crashing on those rocks were so relaxing am I making you long for it yet yeah okay but that that whole entire scene and he's up on this cliff and he's fishing in this crazy water and I remember I think I was like 10 when I finally realized like no he can like die Who's going to save him? I don't know how to swim in that. You know, it's like these waves, white-capped waves. And he's casting. And he wasn't, you know, just like let your line drop. You have to cast that thing so far and so hard. And he would cast, right? What would bring that hook back in? The tide. The tide would roll in and it would bring it right back to him. He'd do it over and over and over and again and again and again. That's what the Bible is saying to cast your cares and worries. Do it over and over and it will come back. That's how life is. It's going to bring something back to you. Cast it to him. And it's not like a, whoop. you have to with all your might because you don't want that coming back. Don't let that tide bring it back in. Um, fishing in Alaska is very different. I mean, if you're doing rod and reel, that's the same, by the way, in Alaska and in Idaho. Uh, I never did it. My dad did come up, and he was very amazed that there was bears as his neighbor fishermen. Um, he just didn't fish, actually. He was just looking and taking lots of video. Um, but when I fished in Alaska, it was the simplest thing. You just stood there with a the net. I mean, you have to kind of bear your weight. Stood there with a the net, and fish would come to you. Super easy. We got like 62 in one day. Salmon, king salmon, huge. Huge. Yeah, go fishing over there, guys. Way easier. Um, yeah, way colder. You are right. <laughs> But when we're talking about hurling, 
I want you to think of a catapult just hurling a boulder. That's the worries and the cares that you need to give to him. Why do you think he's so small he can't handle it? Right? All right. The Bible says also to think on good things. Number two, call on his proven nature. Not mother nature. Call on him. He has proved himself over and over in your life. You have breath in your lungs because of him. He breathed life into you. He breathed life into those rotten children of yours. He breathed life into your husband. He has blessed the socks off of you. You live in America where it is free still. And it will continue to be free in Jesus' name. We're going to claim that. This is your petition. 1 John 5, 14. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. No, he's not a vending machine. No, he's not Santa. But he will give you what you ask for, especially when you're hurling your request and saying, I don't want it. I'm not going to take it back. Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What he is like, Deuteronomy 31, 6. So be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For your, before your bosses, before your family at Thanksgiving table. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That one word, that stinky word, abandon, your earthly people around you may have done that. You might be sitting here abandoned, and you have that abandoned mentality. He will never abandon you. He loves you so much, he would never, ever leave you. Jeremiah 32, 17, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So they're saying the God who actually created the heavens and the earth, the king on the throne, right? No man is on that throne. This is our king, our Lord and Savior. Nothing's too hard for him. What are you doing holding on to your worries and your problems? Hurl them at him. He's asking you to do that in so many scriptures. There's so many scriptures we can go through. Don't worry. So we all know that we feel something, right? And in this room, we feel something. Feelings are indicators. They are not your identity. You are not depression. You are not anxiety. You are not worry. You are not overcome. You are not defeated. You are not shame. These are indicators like the gaslight in my car on E right now. Ding. Ding. Something's wrong. Ding. You're out of gas, honey. Hurl your worries at me. The Bible actually says to me and to you alike, 
He has great plans for me. And this is something you can repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. This is the cud you need to chew. He has great plans for me to give me a hope and a future. Thank God for that. Thank you, Jesus. The enemy lies and says, you aren't good enough. Right? You're not, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You didn't go to Bible college to preach. You, you didn't have a good mother, so why are you thinking you're a good mother? You didn't have a good dad. Why do you think you're a good dad? You're not enough. There's no way we haven't heard that before. You know why? Because he's prowling around looking for godly people. You know what he wants to do? He only wants to get at God. And because you are godly, he gets at you. He only wants God's job. He wants to sit on the throne and be in control. And the way he thinks he can get to God is through you. Because you are God's children who are chosen by name, called. He gave you a hope. He gave you a future. No duh, he wants to take you out. The enemy kind of sounds like the Lord sometimes. You know why? Think of Adam and Eve. When he said something slightly the same as what God was warning them about, you'll know he didn't want his children to know the evil in this world. And what was Satan saying? He was saying, he just doesn't want you to know everything. So it's very similar, but it's not the same. You know how you'll know it's the enemy? You'll feel very negative. You're going to look at people differently. You won't look at them with love. That's how you know it's the enemy, whispering these not enoughs. You've allowed Satan to take residence in between the six inches between your ears for far too long. Thoughts drive living. Negative thoughts, controlling thoughts, disrespectful thoughts, even morbid thoughts. Let's recognize the cud. Let's replace it, right? We're going to hurl it and then replace that empty space because we've been dwelling on it. We've been chewing on it. We've been regurgitating it. We've been passing it down our heritage. Let's replace it with scripture. If you're feeling overwhelmed in this place, Exodus 13.3, the Lord has brought you out by power of his mighty hand. Take a picture of all of these scriptures if you need to because you're going to put this on repeat. Do you guys know what muscle memory is? Muscle memory is when you can do something, it's almost like an accident, but you have done it so much that you accidentally do it. It's like you don't even think about it. Your muscles actually do it. Like I drive to the church literally every day, so my car literally does it. Even if I'm trying to go to Winco, it just pulls into the church, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to Winco. Okay. It's very strange. Overwhelmed? Are you feeling not loved by God? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Do you know the plans you have for you? No. You can act like it. You can journal it. You can write it down and tell people, I'm going to do this and do that, and I'm going to be amazing, and I'm going to die at 52. No, hopefully not. That's early. 
He says, they are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Are you feeling discouraged or disappointed today? Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It's a great word for that. Are you feeling alone today? Deuteronomy 31, 8, the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And maybe you're here today and you're asking, how can God actually still love me after I did A, B, and C? Maybe you were incarcerated. Maybe, maybe you did something very shameful to your family when, in the past. Maybe you're currently in a shame space. Maybe you're currently destructive. And I want to say, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. That means they never die. They actually just keep going new every single morning, fresh Every single morning, his mercies. Thank God for that. If you're ever questioning if he loves you, you just say your mercies are new every morning. It doesn't matter what you did on Friday night. His mercies are new Saturday morning. I mean, get it together. Good grief. That's my mom coming, so sorry. Maybe you feel unstable today. Psalm 102, 25. Long ago you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands, his own hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever and ever and ever and ever. Because our forever, we don't understand this. Our minds are a little bit too small for this one. We don't understand this for everything. But he'll remain even when everything else dwindles. When your bank goes down, I don't know. When your children don't live for the Lord. When the plants die in your yard. He remains the same. He remains with you. He does not perish. Maybe you have an unanswered prayer and this is your messy spot right here. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Thank you, Jesus. You put that on repeat, it becomes a muscle memory and it will replace those thoughts. It will replace what you have already hurled at God, what you've already given to him, what you already cast to him. Number three, we sing through our mess. Some of you just got nervous. I'm not gonna hand you the microphone and make you sing, don't worry. Some of you sing in your house and you just are wondering, like, where did that song come from? Like, what in the world? I know for me, when I was a child, the song, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. If you don't start out with that nice, soft tone, it's fine. You can be like, this is the day. Get out the door, kids. Let's go. Let's go. This is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> right? You're driving. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Right? You're in work. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. You convince yourself. Replace it with scripture. Replace it with singing throughout your house, throughout your work. And I promise things will start changing. Your mind frame will start changing. I dig a little deep when I go, when I'm in this headspace. Those are those days where I'm trying to convince myself and my whole family. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice at it. Be glad. <laughs> this one, I dig a little bit and I pull back and it's I surrender all. Anybody know it? I surrender all. I'm not a professional. I surrender all, all, all to him I give. He's our Lord and Savior. That song gets me every single time. And I'll sing it through. I think I'm Mariah Carey or something. I don't know. I sing it so loud in my house. Nobody's there. I sang it in the car the other night. And I was like, I surrender. He's saying, I surrender it all. I hurl these needs at you. I surrender it all. When I was a young mom, I felt very left out. My husband was off doing ministry, and I actually would question God constantly. What am, what am I called to? He's called to preach and, you know, shepherd, and what am I called to? I have these little poopy diapers that I keep changing. I'm not called to this, am I? And I'd be stuck in the nursery the whole time. This is a church girl talking. I wanted to be out here ministering to people. And the Lord said, wherever you go, you don't need a stage. You don't need a microphone. You don't need someone to affirm your ministry. Wherever you go, you are in ministry. If you are saved, if you know a little teensy bit about the Bible, you are the world's answer. So I encourage you, Mama, while those stinky diapers go up the back and while the spit up comes out and while you're looking at them thinking how did I create this thing it's so gross lovely <laughs> and they are they're so beautiful I'm actually a baby lover so there's such a wonderful gift I want you to know that you are ministering Minister in your space. If you're going to minister to mamas back there and say, I encourage you, let's dig in the word together. That's your ministry. Go for it. If you're stroller walking with other stroller walkers, talk to them. You have the Lord, the Savior of the world. You have the King who sits on the throne, who lives inside of you. Minister to them. Pro tip, when babies are napping, nap. You look like a hot mess. Nap. Messes will be there. Babies are more important than messes. I want you to say, God, here I am. Do what only you can do. And if you're desiring to be a mom, God, here I am. Do what only you can do. Or maybe if you're a dad or, or a male in this room, 
God, here I am. Do what only you could do. The song, I Surrender All, has lyrics that are life-changing. And it's almost like a reminder of what we should be doing. So we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing it. And I want you to look up at the words and really sing it, if you guys can stand with us. Sing it from something that's deep down inside. And we're gonna hurl our request to the Lord. Hey, I just wanna say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you wanna learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.